0: Here we go on this open mic Friday, September the 4th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And because we're not in the studio, we really respond to emails and letters. Yesterday, Wes Rhymenis and I were talking about evidential apologetics and how there really is no evidence you can give to somebody To move them to faith. Even the evidential apologists agree with that point of view. And so our understanding is well, look, the gospel and the word of God and the sacraments do move people to faith. Then why not use them alone? Because evidence is not possible to be shown to an unbeliever. And we gave some Bible verses. Well, What we're going to look at today is a letter we received that kind of fits in this kind of thinking that for the Christian, there is plenty of evidence that God is existing and that he's helping us out, which an unbeliever cannot fathom because he does not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So without further ado, uh, let me read this particular item. Pastor Tom Baker, I was on a job and I had you plugged in along with my power circular saw. (laughs) Excuse me, that's kind of funny. So I don't think I got the whole uh, program, but I did get some. Anyway, church contributions. Here's my take a good friend of mine said i used to give 10% but now i don't give to the church i quit giving because i never got anything back from god as hard as this might be to believe i did not say anything another good friend of mine said you must give 10% he said he gives more than 10% if you give God 10%, God will give you 90% back. So the letter starts off with a conversation between two of his friends one who has stopped giving to the church because he doesn't get anything back from God, and the other one who gives more than the 10% because God will give you back 90% continuing with the letter. Here's my thought to you. I do absolutely believe in tithing, but after discerning over the first commandment, I never got anything back when I gave 10%. Just maybe God is waiting until you go home, home to him. I don't know, but all I know is God will not forget us. On my second friend's comment, you give God 10%, he will give you 90%. Again, I don't know. I do believe this. Keep your mouth shut. This is between me and God. Also, and the letter continues here. uh, It's a two-page letter, all written out by hand. Also, this may contribute to multiple organizations. Well, let me uh, say a couple of things before I go on. The individual believes in tithing. I do not. You, you don't believe in tithing? You don't believe in giving to the church? No. I make a distinction between tithing, which is a ceremonial law of the Old Testament, and we don't need to follow the ceremonial laws. I had individuals in my congregation of 28 years, some of them were on welfare, and some people were only able to give maybe $2 a week. I had another member that gave $500 a week. Now, I don't know if it was a tithe or not, but a tithe is not 10% of your money. If you go to the uh, Bible, I believe it's the last chapter of Leviticus. It says if you're giving animals or wheat or fruit from the farm, then a tithe is 10%. But if you're giving money, it's a greater amount. And it either is 12% or 20% according to the Hebrew. So how do you give to the church? I, I don't believe in tithing because it's a ceremonial law, but I do believe in contributing to the church. And you do that on the basis a lot of times of your earnings. I remember one person asked me, well, are we talking about your net earnings or your whole earnings? And I asked them the difference. Well, your whole earnings, a lot of it goes to taxes. And I said, no, you just give what you're able to. In fact, I use the widow's mite. If you take a look at the widow's might, how much does she give? Jesus talks about her. He sees her at the temple, and she gave everything she had. It wasn't very much, but in contrast, to the rich people who were giving their 10%, she gave 100%. So does that mean we're supposed to give 100%? No, Jesus makes clear the difference between her and some of the rich people. The rich people waited, Jesus said, until they had enough money to take care of themselves, and then they only gave two the spiritual needs with what they had left over. She gave in full faith that God still would take care of her. So it was a difference between faith and unbelief. So here's when I told uh, individuals in adult instruction. We had finished about 18 weeks of adult instruction, and a number of the people wanted to join the church. And one of the women looked at me and asked this question, well, how much do I have to give? I looked at her and I said, let me repeat your question, but I'm going to emphasize something. And this is after 18 weeks of long gospel teaching. I said, you asked, how much do I have to give? And then she caught it. You don't have to give anything. No, your salvation is not dependent on how much money you give to the church. And so I said, I like following the widow's might. I figure out what I can afford to give to the church. And then I give over that. How much over that? That's between me and God. But the fact of the matter is, you give over it, Knowing that God's promises he will not leave you, he will not forsake you. I do not believe that if you give ten percent, God will give you ninety percent back. No. If you give, no matter what you give, God gives you a hundred percent back. Well, what does that mean? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about blessings there isn't anything that you get from God that is not a blessing. And part of the blessing that comes from Romans is all things work together for your good. How can you get a better God than that? So it's very important not to be giving to God in order to get more back. I find every now and then a member Maybe ill and unable to come to church, and they complain to me that, oh boy, I wasn't able to come to church this week. I think that means I'm not going to get as many blessings as I would have I been able to attend church. No, I, I disagree with that. If uh, you're sick, if you're absent from church, it doesn't mean that God's going to pull back your blessings. And even if you go to church, you may go to the doctor and find out you have a serious illness. And it's going to take a lot of medicine. And it may even be fatal. Does that mean God isn't keeping his promises? No, because you're in a world of suffering. This is the devil's world. So the Christian has a totally different attitude towards suffering. A lot of people have an attitude towards suffering that it's because of the environment. It's because of your experiences. But it's very clear from the scripture, why did Adam and Eve suffer? Because of their sin. So there's two things you need to know about the world. Number one, it's falling apart. It's one of the law of thermodynamics, and I'm not going to get into that because I myself don't understand it that well, but things fall apart. If you own a house, how long does it take before you have to replace the furnace, or maybe have to do something with the windows or do some painting? Because it's falling apart, and therefore, if things stop working, A lot of times it's due to your neglect. But even if it's not due to your neglect, you're living in a world of sin. So suffering comes even to Christians either because the world is falling apart or because of their sin. And therefore, whether you give or not and how much you give doesn't make a difference. If you are a child of God, He's going to take care of you, so, as to the tithing thing, I kind of like the the widow. You give what you're able to and then just go over that, and for her, that was everything for the unbelieving Pharisees, they were giving thinking thereby that they were earning their way into heaven, and that's not correct. so let's get back to. This uh, letter, speaking for myself yesterday, and and remember, he's now dealing with the individual who says, I've stopped giving to God because I don't get anything back from God. Now, that's an unbeliever. So he doesn't see the evidence for God. Listen to this letter. He said, I, and and he's kind of working with wood in his job, I had to make a lot of critical angle cuts and I had to drill into brick mortar and install anchors then measure a two by four and mark my holes. All in the hope that my two by four holes would line up with my anchors in the brick mortar. All my angle cuts were perfect Am I two-by-four holes lined up with my brick-mortar anchors. And then the next word he has is unbelievable with three exclamation marks behind it. So, and here's his conclusion. Is it possible that some of us see God's help while others are looking for something else? What a great question. I do believe that because Christians have the gift of the Holy Spirit, they're able to see all kinds of things that are from God that unbelievers don't recognize. For example, after the surgery I have had, it's taking a while to learn to walk uh, without a cane, uh, or a walker. Well, when I'm at that point where all of a sudden I can walk without it, who do I thank? Well, I definitely thank the doctors and the nurses and those who have medically helped me, but I really thank God who used them. You see, being able to get up in the morning uh, without any help. Wow. Do you know how many people are in a bed and cannot do that? I talked to a good friend of mine, and he's in a nursing home, and he has three wheelchairs uh, plus a walker, and it's very hard for him to get around. And I remember the last time I saw him, he was driving around in his car. That was some time ago and he was able to walk and do everything and and now god is still taking care of him he really likes the place that he's in and there he sees blessings upon him so this letter is a really good thing about how christians see all kinds of evidence that god is keeping his promises the unbeliever, there is no evidence for what Christianity believes. Christianity actually teaches that when you go to a church and you look around at the people, the longer you're in that church, the more you get to realize how sinful these people are, particularly when they confess that they're poor, miserable sinners. Deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. So you would think your conclusion is, well, I wonder if they're even, even going to go to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, what Christianity teaches, because of their trust in the gospel, that's the promises connected to the cross of Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, all things working out to your good. Because of their trust in those promises, they have received the righteousness of Christ. They're wearing the robe of righteousness. And so all these sinful people, guess what? They're on their way to heaven. There's no evidence of that except the word of God and there's no evidence outside the Bible, until you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you'll never recognize evidence. And even if there was some kind of evidence, for example, some people try and show that Jesus existed by letters found outside the Bible. Okay, so what? He existed. That's not the teaching of Christianity. It's part of the historical teaching, but the historical accounts, as Wes and I were mentioning yesterday, they don't save anybody. The Pharisees believed all the history of the Bible, and yet Jesus looked at them and said, your father is the devil, because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. So, going back to the letter, his second point And he's got a question. Helping your church? Question mark. I feel it's a great gift. We all have gifts. I am fortunate to know what mine are. And he just gave you an example. Now, this is really important to understand. I I like looking at woodworking shows I own the entire ShopSmith. That's a whole system of tools. And I took six courses, and I even got a certificate saying I was a master woodworker. Then I, I watch a woodworking show where an individual is making a rocking chair. And you can make it in about one hour. When I go to the woodworking shop and attempt to do that, Boy, I can't do what he did because I still don't have the skills. There was an interesting book my son gave me that to really become good at something, playing the piano, being a carpenter, or or whatever, you need to put in 10,000 hours. So I can make a pretty good candlestick, but uh, making a, a rocking chair or doing what this letter writer does, drilling holes and then lining them up in brick mortar. Even he says that was unbelievable how it all worked, but he's trained to do that. And that's what he means. That's one of the gifts I have. But for me, now here comes the big long gospel point. This is in the letter. But for me, my gifts will not get me to heaven. As I'll, as long as I know that I am saved by God's grace and faith, then yes, my works are good. But he makes it very clear, none of them get him to heaven. Even when he's doing works for the church. Uh, Last week, we installed officers that had been elected at one of the churches I'm serving. I'm serving four churches right now. And it was very clear that the works that they are doing, we made a point that none of what they're doing as officers will get them to heaven. God recognizes those good works, and he's very pleased with them. But their works as officers do not get them to heaven because they're already on their way to heaven. It's like saying in a family, the children do good works. They may cut the lawn, wash the car, do the dishes, take out the garbage, but none of those works make them children of the family. They are instead... Members of the family, either through being begotten, that's birth between a husband and wife, or adopted. That's what makes them a member of the family. And the works, therefore, which they're able to do in the family are results of their being members of the family, not the cause of their being a member of the family. So also, you as a Christian, you were begotten? No, only Jesus Christ is the begotten child of God. You were adopted, God says, in a number of Bible verses. And that means you became a member of the family. Why? Because of your works? No. You were unable to do any good works until you had faith because only fruit of the Holy Spirit are recognized as salvific works, namely works done by a saved person. But even those don't get you to heaven. God recognizes them, and for God, they become the evidence that you are a saved person. So this was a tremendous letter that I received because it, first of all, gives an indication that all of us have opportunities to speak with our friends about all kinds of theological issues. And therefore, we can respond to someone who says, well, I was giving to God, but I didn't get anything from him. No, take a look at the gifts. Are you able to move your arms? Are you able to move your legs? Are you able to eat properly? These are all wonderful gifts from God. And even when you're not able to do that, God still works out things to your good. That's what the Christian recognizes. And this idea that giving the tithe and giving more than the tithe that you'll get a lot more back from God. No, you can't get more than 100%. And that's what God does for you. A lot of times, children don't think that their parents really care for them. My parents made me go to bed early in order to get to school, even though I was watching a good Japanese program about a monster, and I wanted to see what happened but I couldn't see the program. So I didn't like my parents sometimes because they made you go to bed too early. And that's the way it is, even with Christians. At times, we don't appreciate God because of our lack of faith. It's called sin. But when we recognize that and we realize that that was a wrong attitude and we are contrite over that, that means repent over that. Guess what? God looks at us and says, you are forgiven and dresses us in the robe of Christ's righteousness. And that righteousness is something that we don't have to earn by our good works. It's given to us through faith by grace. And what is grace? receiving something you don't deserve. You won't find another God of any other religion that thinks like that. Only the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, though we're unable to be speaking to people because we're not in the studio, you can send me an email at longgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And you can also send me letters and contributions for Law and Gospel. Just listen to at the end of the program for the address. On Monday's Long Gospel, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be taking a look at another text for the following Sunday. And I'll tell you what we're going to find. We're going to find that we are saved, not by our works, but by grace, through faith, on account of Jesus Christ.